Praise God. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's been remitted. It's been remitted. Amen. Amen. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer this morning. And amen. Pretty good little Bible class today for our, for our age. It's always good when we get up. Amen. Amen. It's always good. Amen. And when the Lord wakes us up and gives us another day. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. I know there's a multitude of things to pray about. We're going to pray today uh, for Sister Alyssa. She's been in the ER most of the evening, and so she's here today by faith. Just uh, we, we just need to pray that God will just move upon her body. Uh, how many know somebody, amen, that's, I know we know there's a lot of sickness going on, but how many know somebody really needs the Lord, just really needs God today? Let's pray. Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for the health and strength that I have in my body, Lord. I thank you, God, for a mind. I thank you, God, for a desire, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for your provision, Lord. God, now I pray, Lord God, that you move, Lord God, upon these, Lord God. Lord, our sister that come by faith today, God, strengthen her, Lord. God, those that are battling, Lord God, those, Lord God, that need, Lord Jesus, uh, God, you to minister to their body today, Lord God. Brother Johnson, God, be with him, Lord, his family, Lord. God, these today, God, that need you, Lord Jesus, I pray, God. I pray, Lord God, that you move upon the hearts of those, Lord Jesus, uh, God, that once have known and tasted of this joy, Lord. I pray, God, that you restore to them, Lord Jesus. Uh, God, I pray today, God, that you just bind us together, Lord God. Help us, God, be the pillars. Help us, Lord God. God, be the strength, Lord God, of our church, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a good hand of praise today. Ushers, if you'll come forward, if we get our usher, come forward, lift up our offering today. Amen. I want to remind everybody, today is Mission Sunday, so uh, in our next service, we will be uh, taking up our missions offering as well. Amen. Uh, let me, before I get, go ahead, go ahead, brothers. Uh, before I get started, I have good news and bad news. Which you want first? The bad news is uh, I want your money. Oh, don't laugh. That's the truth. The, the bad news is our overhead has went out, and uh, it's, it's going to be expensive to just put a bulb in it. Uh, the last time we bought a bulb was like, you can be seated. Last time we bought a bulb was like 500 bucks. Now they're about $800. Uh, so, um, but we can upgrade to a, uh, I'm not good with this, laser, to a laser. Thank you. We can upgrade to a laser uh, overhead for about $2,900. So uh, we're almost at 1000 just to put a bulb in this one. Um, it's not all the way outdated yet, but the back one, they don't make that, those anymore. It's still working just fine. But this one here, uh, the laser, there's no bulb to replace in the laser type overhead. So uh, I just want you to prayerfully consider, uh, talk to the trustees. I think we're going to go ahead and pull the trigger. Multimedia have about, has about a thousand of, uh, of what we need. So uh, we're going to look at some things. But uh, if, you, if God has blessed you, just, uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to try to get that. But we're going to try to get this fixed this week. And uh, so I don't know if we can make it by Wednesday or not, but we will definitely, uh, Lord willing, have uh, everything uh, ready by next Sunday. Because I don't know about you, I've learned to lean on that thing. I like to read from it, so uh, it's nice. Plus the laser when it comes to, like, uh, baby dedications, pictures, videos, 
a whole lot better uh, picture, a whole lot better uh, set up. So anyway, all that. I just want to let you know that's, that's our plans. And so if uh, the Lord has blessed you, just drop something extra. Or if you want to make sure it goes toward that exp- specifically, make sure you mark it on an envelope or tell Sister Rex Ann. All right. How many is ready to have some word today? Amen. Sister Carrison, come on up here. Amen. She does a great job teaching our class, and I'm so thankful for her. Amen. I hope she wasn't up all night last night. He said my name right. Y'all catch that? I wasn't Kirsten today. Look at that. That's a good, that's a good start already. That should, you know, that's a, that, that should take away some nervousness. Y'all, y'all pray for me. I'm not nervous because I know when you're willing, God is able, but this body is a little, little shaken up and it might be a little nervous, but um, when you are a willing vessel and you step out of your comfort zone, God will show up. Generally, it just takes me getting up here and opening my mouth and then God takes over, but um, I feel like I might need y'all to get behind me a little bit today and maybe even pray for me in your pew. Um, I'm going to start off with just a little bit of a, a different uh, twist today. Um, if you are close to me and you know me at all, um, I love to write. Um, I've neglected it over the years quite a bit, but, um, if I'm honest with myself and, and part of what I feel is what I'm called to do, I'm a writer at heart. So, um, just going to read a little piece of something that, um, I put together, just a little illustration. And, um, it basically just speaks to where I'm at in this current season of my life. So if you could just follow along with me, I promise that we'll get somewhere on down the line. Um, At this moment, um, I'm gonna give you basically an illustration of a young woman. Um, At this moment, the young woman is on the outskirts of one season. She is standing at the end of a desert. No one is there but her. And this is not to say in a woe is me and I'm by myself and all of this other stuff. Sometimes there's just those battles that you go through by yourself and it's just you and the Lord. And there probably won't be people that understand. Doesn't mean you throw a pity party, but sometimes you just get to the end of those things and you're standing there and you look back over what you've been through and it's just you and and the Lord. And no no one's there but her at... uh, Definitely. At what looks like the beginning of some old dusty road, no landmarks nearby, just stretches of road in front of her in a way that is much clearer than the path behind her. Her clothes are ragged, hanging loosely with a hole or two here and a snag or two there. Her hair pulled back in some messy fashion with a strand blowing a strand or two blowing in a silent dawn breeze. She is stepping out of a wilderness, and the sun is rising. She looks back, not longing for what is back there, but instead remembering where she's come from. (laughs) No clue who put her there and how she got there and why she had to go through the foolishness she just had to go through, but she is remembering the manna and the fire by night. Her feet are still dusty and dirty from the travels through this wilderness, and she has not arrived. She's not arrived at that promised land, that land uh, flowing with milk and honey, but she can almost feel the air where she's going. There's hope. That That dry, old, dusty desert wind is feeling much more like a cool breeze, 
some, on some random brook midsummer night. She turns her gaze from what is behind her to look out over the road before her, though the way is still a little cloudy and the road, though solid, is still a little dusty. She can see the sun rising. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here, and if you would go with me to Proverbs 1 and 7, I hope you brought your Bibles. I'm going to read just a little piece of that, and then I'm going to hop around. I'm going to go to Hebrews 11, um, chapter 1. Uh, I think it's chapter 1. I didn't write that down. Lord Jesus, hope I got it in here. Hebrews 11, and let me figure out where it's at so I can tell y'all where to go. I think it's 11 and 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 11 and 1 through 7, 11, 1 through 7. Good Lord, help me. And then a piece of Romans uh, 1 and 17. And let's see, Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now we can flip over to Hebrews 11. I'm going to read 1 through 7. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God spoke and those things were framed. So the things which, which are seen were not made of things that do appear. And I just felt led to read that again. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So his gift, his sacrifice still speaks today. He's gone. He's been gone for a long time. But the testimony of his, the fruits of his labor still speaks today. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. If we are pleasing to God, though we may go through things from time and time again, there are things that God can take us up out of and keep us from that we won't have to go through if we are pleasing to him in what we do. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I can say that there's been times where I've believed that God is, but I've struggled with that last part, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because sometimes we seek him and we seek him and we seek him, and in our flesh we're tired. And we didn't get that thing when we thought we should get that thing. But we need to make sure that we continue to walk by faith, though we don't see it. God is still forming it, and it's not by what we can see that it's formed. It's that we remain faithful, and we keep pressing on, and that we fear and we reverence God. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Ain't nobody ever seen no ark. Ain't nobody ever seen no rain. 
But Noah got out there and he built it by all them cubits and them, all them other things the Lord told him to build it by. And he wrestled up all them animals and all them things and did exactly what the Lord told him to do. And by doing so, he saved his whole house. If we would get ourselves together and we would do what the Lord has told us to do, regardless of whether we have a blueprint for it or not, God will save our house and provide enough up in our storehouses for other people to begin again and for life to spring up something that is new. By the which he commanded the world and became there of the right became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. It was by his faith that he was made and is called righteous in God's sight. Today my titles, some of y'all, if y'all are 90s babies or maybe if you was older and was a little hip in the 90s, um, might find it kind of funny. But my title today is, It Takes Two to Make a Thing Go Right. That's my title for today. The dynamic duo that I would like to talk about to you today is faith and fear. By fear here, I mean the fear of God, the reverence of God, we need both to get out of this place that we're in right now. This is, the, this is knowledge, and the fear, and the, the fear of God, as our opening scripture says, is the beginning of knowledge. When you reverence God, that's what that word means. When you reverence God, you are on your way to beginning to know what you didn't know that you need to know and other people need to know. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's what's going to anchor your feet and tell you which way to go. What it does, it causes you, when you reverence God, it should be in every single thing that you do. When you open up your mouth to speak, when you go to be an example, or when you're sitting before someone at work, before your family, no matter where you are, whether it's the thoughts that you think by yourself because they shape your actions in the end, we ought to reverence God. And when we reverence God in those moments, something I've said to my Sunday school kids when we're back in class in some of my lessons, I'm like, would you do this or would you do that if you could see Jesus Christ in the flesh sitting right beside you? If mama said, don't go do this and do that, and Jesus was right there, would you go do it? Or if mama told you to go do something and that comment you got about how you don't want to pops up in your head, would you say that? if Christ was sitting right there by you. And all the time their answer is the same, which is like what ours would be, no, I wouldn't do that. So in those moments, you are gaining knowledge of A, what is right and wrong, and how to govern yourselves accordingly. Knowledge is what we need to make it through. Without either of these, it is impossible to please God or to live after him. You need both to live for God. You need both to be fruitful and you need both to just make it through. Have you ever gone through a season or a wilderness that seems to take something out of you? Have you ever just asked God at the end of that or maybe in the middle of that and you're trying to find out what happened and where you are in the situation? Have you ever asked God, what has happened to me? What has happened to me? I have. And, and most recently, and I've asked God, where is that girl or that woman, rather, with that childlike faith that would just take God at his word? Whatever he spoke, I would believe it. And who is this worried, anxious, fearful, overthinking person that has stepped into her place? I found myself at times fighting to not just go through the motions, but just to be present, telling myself, I'm okay. 
I just need to, I, I just need to get it together. I just need to pray more. I just need to read my Bible more. Why don't I pray more? Why don't I read my Bible more? Especially if I'm standing here and I'm going through this and I feel like I know this is what I need to do to get myself back on track. In this last season or so of my life, I've been through some things. Has anybody been through some things, especially lately? I have had my heart broken. My faith has been tried, and I have grown weary in well-doing. I don't know about y'all. Sometimes that's hard to confess. The other day while I was praying and preparing for the word and kind of tapping into a place in prayer and with the Lord that I haven't been in a long time, I was trying to figure out the, the perfect words to say to God. At the same time, trying to tell myself it's not about the perfect words. And I'm like, God, I want to say this, but that, that's not how I feel. So I don't want to say that's how I feel when it's not how I feel. And I had to sit back in myself and just say, yep, God, that's, that's how I feel. And I began to say it over and over again until something broke in me and I had a releasing. And what that was, it was fear. I was afraid. God is doing some new things. Like I said, this is a season that I've been through, but God is bringing me out of. And in the process, I'm walking into something else. And in this next place, I have to not only have that trust and that faith that I had before, but it's a new season, a new task, a new thing. I have to have even more faith. So in those moments for me to get there, I have to admit when I'm scared. I have to admit when I don't know. I have to, as I've ministered before, lay some things down at God's feet. So I sat there and I had to tell them, I'm scared. And that's how it started. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm scared of this. And, I'm, and as I began that, I just felt the Father sit down beside me on the floor and engulf himself around me in a way that I've, some people haven't, I'm sure some of y'all maybe haven't had a father in your life. Some people have, some people haven't. I'm one of those girls when my father wasn't present. So when I feel that in the spirit and I can literally feel God set himself down and wrap himself around me, I can be that vulnerable that I need to lay some things down at his feet and to pick up some things that I need. Um, where was I at here? Um, growing weary and well-doing. I believe that part um, was the worst for me. Getting to a place where I was tired of being the person that always does the right thing or tries to do the right thing. And this is just me being tra transparent with y'all. While, you know, it seems like others just, you know, do as they please. And as they do as they please, they're prospering in whatever it is that thing is that they do. And some of them got the things that I want. And I'm like, Lord, how come I'm trying to do this, this, and this? And when this went this way, I stayed over here. I don't know. I kind of I dealt with this when I was putting this together. I wasn't sure whether I should testify about it. But not many people have asked me about it. But a couple of years ago, some things happened. God moved. God was actually answering prayers. And, and, and he was actually confirming visions and dreams that he gave me. And it is something that's been a part, it's been a promise. And um, a lot of y'all were here when I got engaged. And a lot of y'all were here when that got broke off. And I'm sure there's been a lot of questions, and I'm a pretty open book if you want to ask me about things. But as tough as it might have seemed, it was a prayer answered. I didn't love him any less. We're still good friends now, and God's doing things, but I have to trust in the Lord. But in that moment, 
when things were starting to take a wrong turn, I had to take myself in that prayer room and I had to remember who I was, not only just for myself, but for the young women in this church, for people who look up to me. And I had to take it to the prayer room. And I kid you not, I about stomped that prayer room in, telling God, I don't want this in my marriage. And not knowing what God was going to do to turn things around, what I was going to have to go through, I told God, you fix it, and then you fix it. And you put me where I'm supposed to be. And bef before that next Sunday is when things started to separate and fall apart. And it wasn't so much that, because I know y'all love me, and I know there's some that feel like they, they he's probably going to listen to this later, they'd like to take him by the neck. But it wasn't so much where anybody was really doing anything wrong. It's just when you've been in a place and you're trying to find your way with the Lord, it's a journey you've got to do by yourself. And whenever you lean on someone else to be God in your life, it can be hard. And sometimes you got to take a step back and figure that out. And maybe that's something that wasn't handled the right way. But God knew. But after that, I told God, just, I'm just testifying a little bit here. I hope that's okay. I told the Lord, I don't want to not feel anything. I don't care if I'm in the middle of Walmart. I will cry. I don't want to build up anything. But what I noticed over the last year, because it's been this uh, February will be two years, I've noticed that has happened, irregardless of my prayer in the beginning. And I've noticed that my faith has been wounded by what has happened. And I can look around, and I'm always happy when other things are happening in other people's lives. But I've been part of, I can't tell you how many weddings since then. And I mean, even some, that's a little bit of some heathens. But, you know, so it's hard. And you think, God, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to trust. I'm, what, you know, what is going on? That was probably the toughest thing for me. And getting to a place where I really felt weary in myself. Um, but it's like our brother said last Sunday. He said, we cannot, he got in that scripture where it ministers about, we can't fret ourselves because of what somebody else is doing. The Bible says evildoers. Evil isn't just the worst thing we can think of. Evil is anything contrary to what God has planned out, what God has laid out as how he wants us to live and be. We can't get our eyes set on what other people are doing. But have you ever felt like that before? So I began to pray for God to show me the what and the why. And as I sat there, he began to minister to me. And what I discovered, as I mentioned, is my faith had indeed been wounded. Something had happened to me that had caused me not to trust God as I once used to. Now, this wasn't something I allowed purposefully. Like I, like I said, I honestly, it happened in a place where I felt I was being strong. That's usually how it happens because we get to leaning upon ourselves. Sometimes we can confuse our strength with the Lord's strength, trying so hard in our trials and our tribulations to not be broken all the while. That's God's plan from the first place, for you to be broken and to be broken in his hands and in his arms so that he can make you a more excellent vessel. We're so afraid to just be weak in front of somebody, to, especially some of us that had to grow up a certain kind of way. So you had to take on an armor as a young person or, or a teen or even in your younger adult life that you should have never had to take up. But because of the things that you faced and you went through, 
it becomes a part of your flesh, a part of who you are. And we don't realize when we're trying to walk a walk with Christ and lean upon our, not understand, our own understanding and trust in him, how heavy and how much of a weight that that can be in our lives. And we can confuse that with what God's wanting to do. Some of us have just have tough things that we've been through in life. Sure, you know, I can say, I believe that God is my provider. All the while, I'm worried and I'm concerned on how I am going to continue to make ends meet. I can say, I know he's in control. All the while, I'm stressing about how I'm going to get things done and how I can see myself making a way which of course I always fall short and you know there's more worry and there's more anxiety something had been breached and there are needs for repairs and it was my faith and my fear my reverence of God was lacking i had forgotten exactly who God had been i had stopped hoping i it was it was too painful it seemed when i got my hopes up and I felt like, okay, God, you're, I, I can see you doing, you're putting things together, you're doing this, you're doing that. Before I turned around, something else was falling apart. As this thing over here came together, this thing over here was just melting and running down the road. And I'm just like, Lord, what is going on? This is where we can start going through the motions. We can get numb and just show up with no expectation and no true desire. When we allow our reverence for God and our faith to be stolen and to be taken from us. And when we don't realize that there's been a breach and we don't begin to allow God to come in and show us and patch up those breaches. <clears throat> Proverbs 13 and 12 states that hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you lay down your desire to expect and hope God, hope for God to do something, it truly does make your heart sick in so many different ways. It begins to affect all of the things in your life. And we can't afford for that to be our reality, church. I am reminded of the children of Israel on their journey. It was their wavering faith and their lack of trust in God that kept them wandering in a wilderness for 40 years on a journey that, if I recall correctly, should have only taken them 11 days. This cannot be us, church. We don't have 40 years to waste. It is time to reactivate our faith and once again, fear God. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the other side I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of mundane church. I'm tired of just getting by. I want to see my family saved. I want to see them healed, delivered, living for God with all the confidence that I have standing up here before you. I want to see our sons and our daughters prophesying, and I want to see them backed as they step out into their calling. I want to see more, more ministers, more people singing, more people stepping out of their comfort zones, and also being supported by the brothers and the sisters in the church. I want to see God's Spirit poured out upon all flesh. But faith, brothers and sisters, is a word of action. Faith left alone on the pages of our heart, not stretched out to our fingertips, expanded down to our feet, believed on in our minds, and manifested in our actions, as well as our treatment of one another, is dead faith. Faith isn't getting up on Sunday morning and making it through the church doors. 
Faith is action. In other words, if we just believe but stand by and do nothing, if we don't call things that aren't as though they are, if we don't pick up our feet and our hands and put them to the plow, where is faith? Where is your fear and your reverence in God if you don't have any actions in what you believe? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. But what evidence are you making? What evidence are you making with the things that God has promised you? Who around you can tell that God has promised you something? Your actions, your belief, the words that you speak, they speak of the faith that is inside of you. Where is the evidence in your life of faith? How are you proving it to be so? When we come together in the house of the Lord, where is our faith? Where is our hope for the miraculous? And by what evidence, what proof are we saying we believe God for the miraculous today? Church, it is time to reverence God, to once again take him at his word. What does his word say for you? Not your neighbor, but for you. What do you have to worship for today? How did you get here today? Who drove today? I drove today. And I, who woke up this morning? Whose breath are you breathing right now in your body? Where did you sleep last night? I'm sure everybody in here slept in a bed last night. But I know on my way home the other day, I seen people late at night walking the streets, which tells me they didn't have somewhere to lay their head. But how many of us, when worship starts, will sit in our seats with our legs crossed, our arms folded? Your worship doesn't have to look like mine. But the word says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Where do you reverence him? If we want to get out of a place that we are in, it's going to take the fear of God and faith. And I want to see your faith by your works. Don't tell me you believe. I want to see your faith by your works. I want to see you believing something so crazy that everybody around you thinks that it's something wrong with you. That is walking by faith because it's not about what you can show and prove to them. You are showing them God literally like just believing what he has said, what he said in his word for you, living that out loud. Maybe it's a personal promise that he has given you. It's walking in that without seeing it. <clears throat> Don't tell me you have faith and you believe and that you want to see miracles. Forgive me a little bit here. But you are the first one to get up at out of your pew at altar call and walk out the back door. Headed for the doors. Don't tell me you want to see a great move of God in our services, but you are the last person to clap your hands or lift your feet or clap your hands or lift your voice. You can't tell me you want to see change in the church when you come in and your countenance and your, de and your demeanor and your expectation is exactly the same every time you walk through the doors and every time you walk out, you walk out exactly the same. But we want miracles and we want to see God turn things around. We can have people come up to this altar to pray and no one comes to pray for them. The ignition of worship isn't for the, just for the worship team. It isn't for that one person that always steps out of their pew. When was the last time that you ignited that blowout service? Because that's how it starts. 
We stand up, we begin to worship, and then somebody over here in the corner cuts a rug. Brother Miller takes a lap. Somebody else gets to screaming and shouting, when was that person you? When was your faith activated? When did you see, feel, and know and reverence God in the service for the things that you say that you want to see in this church at 3120 South Walmart? Walmart. Walnut. It's going to take both of them. We want things to be right side up. We want things to be better than they were before, but we are not doing anything about it. We come in the same. We go out the same. And I feel like if we come in and we can't take the time and worship to give to God, how selfish are we? Oh, I come for the word. That's selfish. The word is for you, but where do you give back to him? Especially if Wednesday and Sunday is the only day you give to him out of the seven days of the week. I mean, we at least can activate some faith during Wednesday and Sunday. I'm sorry if I'm a bit much. I got a little bit rattled up here. <laughs> but the Bible says... <laughs> Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And you have breath today. If you didn't have breath today, you wouldn't be sitting here. It didn't say let every bishop in the church praise the Lord or, you know, let every worship team praise the Lord. Sometimes we don't exactly all the way know what we're doing, but we up here and we're doing it. And the worst thing to do it is to be up here and you feel like your family is just sitting on you because we want to see a move of God. We, I, there's been, I probably said this before, but there's been times where I'm like, you know, I'm just going, well, I'm just going to go have a seat. <laughs> I want to go have a seat with everybody else because this is still, this is not a show. When we come in here, we need to be activated. We need to have expectation. There should be a hope in our heart because that's where God moves. God doesn't move when we sit back. He's wait, he, he's waiting on us. We are waiting for God to do and God's like, I've given you all the things. Like, we want some paper, and God's like, here's the tree, here's the saw, here's the, put the, get the paper. But we sitting over here, well, God, you ain't going, no, we have to do our part. Oh, Lord, help me. When was the last time you prayed for somebody? You stepped out of your comfort zone. You don't have to have the most fancy words to say. Sometimes I've been at this altar, and it don't matter who's praying for me, but when I feel that first hand touch, touch my back, the Holy Ghost can sweep in and I feel hope and restoration and it can break forth a breakthrough that I couldn't have up here by myself. Just knowing that somebody cares. I mean, truly, when was the last time you prayed somebody through? Not prayed for two seconds and then walked off. I don't want to get too involved, but you know, God bless them. I pray, Lord, you bring them through. I mean, get down in the trenches with them and pray them through whatever they are going through. It's our worship that ignites the service, church. It's our reverence of who God is and our faith in believing that he's going to do exactly what we've asked him to do, what we prayed for him to do. When was the last time you felt that in a service? Church, we need a move. We want to move. But to get a move in our lives and in our church, we're going to have to realize who we are in him and who he is. We are going to have to start acknowledging God in every single thing that we do with your words and with your actions. Your words have power. Your actions speak volumes. How we treat one another screams to the world who we are. In one breath, we can't lift up sister so-and-so and the next tear down brother such-and-such. Where is God reverenced in that? Where is your faith activated in that? 
We have got to rise up and hope again, believe again, walk again, even when we don't see the way. And I do get it, church. It's hard. It's hard to hope. And it's hard to hope when you've been hurting and when you've been broken and been in a situation, especially when you know that God is in control. And if God is in control, he must have allowed it to happen. That's a hard place to hope and to trust again. But it is possible. All you have to do is have a made-up mind. You're going to feel the stuff. There's going to be times when you're so upset. There's going to be times when you're so hurt. Feel it. It's okay. Get up and come and be activated anyway. Anyway, in that moment, reverence God. Lord, You, I feel like this. I'm mad you, you allowed that to happen. You could have sent this, and this would have went that way. We could have figured that. I could figure that out, God. You could have did that. Take all of that, dump it at his feet, and say, yeah, but you did this, and this happened, and we're good. I'm going to get up because your word also says you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Your word also says I win in the end. Your word also says you have given me power to tread upon serpents and enemies, and there's nothing that can separate me from you. It's what you choose to believe in that moment, whether you have faith in what he says and know him for who he is. <clears throat> the young woman I illustrated to you in the beginning was me. I am the young lady standing at the end of a wilderness journey, going into the next one where I can see I can almost taste the honey in my promise. Though I'm not there yet, I can still see the stuff back here. And the way before me isn't crystal clear. I'm still standing there and I'm looking out over the horizon. My feet are, aren't standing on my promise. But I'm not on that, but I am on that road that leads me there. And I am hopeful as I look out. As I stand here today, I can feel my promise. I can taste, like I said, the honey there. I'm not dressed for it. My feet are still covered in dust, but I am hopeful. And by faith, I am walking every day. Every day I have to get up and I have to put on God's armor. I have to take off my tough shell that I feel like I have to have. And I have to take on God's armor. Choose to have faith. Choose to pick up that sword of the spirit. Choose to activate. Choose to reverence God for who he is. Every single day, there's going to be times where you're going to have to literally fight the same thing every day. But that doesn't mean you give up today because it was there yesterday and last week. These last few weeks, I've had to wrestle with fear and anxiety so many more times than I would like to mention. And not because I'm giving in to them, but because it is a generational curse in my family. There are people in my family that worry when there's no sense and no reason to be worried. Almost as if they don't have breath if they're not worrying. So it is knocking at my door because that's who the Satan wants me to be. So every day, I might feel that anxiety kick up, but I found myself at work ducking off in the office, getting down on my knees and like, I renounce you in the name of Jesus and I choose to walk this way. Reverencing God in that moment that he is who he said he was going to be yesterday, today, and forever. And choosing in that moment not to allow my feelings to be what leads me and guides me, but knowing who he is and the faith that he has given me. The Bible says that we have faith the size of a mustard seed. 
We can speak to a sycamine tree. I started to have an illustration. It's a good thing I didn't because we don't have the overhead. But does anybody know about the extensive root system in a sycamine tree? When you go home or whenever we have the break, look up a sycamine tree. It's not the, the, the biggest tree in the world, but the root system of it is extensive. A lot of us have a lot of roots in us that we didn't dig ourselves. Generational curses, things our families have been through and nobody's cut the head off coming down the line. But if you have faith that is this small, you can speak to it, pluck that whole thing up and it has to move. It doesn't have permission to be in your life. Those things can be rooted up. They don't have to be your identity or who you are. But it takes every day getting up, fighting those battles in faith and knowing who your God is. I want to get there. I want change. And I want to live that abundant life. To do so, we've got to get back to putting him first. We have got to get the fear of the Lord back in our lives, church. We have got to reverence him in every single thing we do. It is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about you. And that thing that you're going through that's bigger than you, that's that giant that you're going to slay. And when the next person comes along, one of these young people, you're going to be able to look at them and say, uh-uh, baby, I've been there. Let me show you how you get through that. You, you don't have to be... You don't have to be the same height as Goliath to knock him down. And you don't have to pick up the army's armor because it was too heavy for David. He had to lay that down. He had to go in what he knew when he fought the bear and when he fought the lion. And that was the strength of the Lord. He had faith in that moment and reverence of who his God was. And that's what slayed that giant. We have to get that back in us, church. A lot of us have been hurt for different things. Some things we know about, some of us are going through things that nobody knows anything about. But how are you going to handle those? Are you going to choose to walk by faith and fear the Lord? Are you going to speak faith over those sycamine trees and pluck up those things that are trying to keep you weighted and pulled down when God has told you to go? If we want to see a change and we want to see our church grow and we want to see all of the miracles that we've been promised we have got to allow our faith to be activated, and we have got to reverence God in everything that we do. He is willing. He is, he is willing, but we have to be willing to allow him to do the work. Appreciate you, church. <laughs>